This is just a reminder that this episode contains content that may be alarming or triggering to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and make sure that you just take care of yourself. everyone welcome back to the eighth episode of jada's advocacy this week's episode is going to look a little bit different compared to my other episodes in the past a lot of my episodes have been more on the educational side and today i kind of just want to talk a little bit more about my life the things that i've experienced and kind of how I've been doing lately. I've been struggling a lot with anger and I recently got back into therapy. I got put on some antidepressants. So I just want to kind of talk about the things that I've been experiencing. I know in the last episode, I said that I might be going um, deeper into what it was like to be no contact. And I still do plan on putting out a part two to that episode but I'm planning on releasing that part two closer to the first of next month. So, um, and I also said that I would be back like around the 15th, but it's definitely like the 23rd, I believe, but I'm still here before the next month. So (laughs) I don't want to overextend myself too much. I am still taking some college classes because I changed my major. I'm just going through a lot of different changes and really big things quite honestly I've been dealing with a lot so yeah this episode is really just going to be honestly it might go all over the place and I don't have it scripted it might not be the most organized episode but hopefully people can learn a little bit more about me and maybe this will even be a little bit more of a personable episode where um, people can maybe see a little bit more of my personality and things like things like that um, versus the more educational advocate side of me where I really do want to inform, educate, and spread awareness to prevent child sexual abuse. That is, you know, always going to be my main goal, but I do want people to know that I'm, you know, human. I still have my own, you know, life that I'm, you know, going through every day and, you know, I'm still healing myself. I'm not healed um, in no way, shape, or form. I don't really see myself ever being fully healed. I think I'll probably be healing the rest of my life. But let's get into the eighth episode. So to start this episode off, just for anyone who might be, this might be the first episode that they're listening to, or they might just not um, watch all my TikToks. They might have, they might just be new to my TikTok, um, things like that. I want to just kind of briefly go over kind of what my life looked like and things like that. Um, Just a little bit more about me. So I, growing up, we, my mom and my dad, my bio dad, um, they traveled around when they were teenagers, um, all the way like to different states and things like that. And then at some point when they were traveling, um, when they were 19, I believe they might've even been 18, my mom at least, when she got pregnant, but I know that she had me when she was um, 19. Her birthday's in December and my birthday's in March. So she had just had a birthday three months before I was born. 
and she was 19 when I was born. So she was definitely um, 18 during the whole entire pregnancy with me. But uh, during the traveling, she got pregnant and she ended up coming back to um, Oregon. And she might have even came back to Washington. I'm not sure exactly where she went because I know she had family that lived in Washington. But ultimately, they came back to Washington, Oregon area, and I was ultimately born. And my parents always had issues from the stories that I'm told and things like that. Um, they both still to this day, you know, struggle with mental health issues and things like that. I have a better understanding of my dad's mental illness. Um, I know what he's been diagnosed with, where my mom, I don't really entirely know. Um, they say, she says that she's diagnosed with bipolar 2, but um, I'm not 100% certain about that. But I just know they always had issues, like, the whole entire time they were together, honestly. Probably even while they were traveling, they had issues, you know. They just didn't get along. So I was born, and after I was born, they still didn't get along. So they got, they separated. They separated when I was about one years old. And then my mom began working at, as a dancer, an adult dancer. <coughs> Um, in Portland, Oregon, and uh, she met my stepfather, and they didn't know each other for long before she moved in with him, like, they moved in together, and, you know, they got a place together or whatever, I think she probably was living with her parents or something before, um, can't 100% say, I probably could have found these things out if I asked more questions, but given the fact that they just like already told me so many things I didn't want to know that were so like inappropriate I didn't really ask for further um clarification on any of these things but they ended up moving in together when I was about one you know a little bit after one and um you know they my mom was still dancing and we lived in a townhouse in Portland Oregon on in 42nd and my, I have bad memories in that house of, you know, being like hit and definitely, um, like I have a specific memory of like banging my feet on the floor when I was upset about something. And then my mom came up behind me and she, you know, smacked my, um, rear end, you know, multiple times. And I remember getting hit in the bath a lot in that house. And I have a, a lot of bad memories in that house. But um, I don't remember any sexual abuse or anything there. But I do remember bad times. I felt horrible in that house. Um, I know school was hard for me growing up, just always. School has always been hard for me my entire life. It's never been something I want to do. I don't feel like I fit in or things like that. Um, and my stepfather had broken his hip and we had stairs in that house and they um, they put his bed in the living room downstairs and he was down there for a while and I remember weird things but I can't exactly pin it down and as time goes on and I talk more about my story and I don't know what it is but maybe it's just time things bringing it up you know because I have fragmented memories I have been having like a lot of flashbacks and I've been remembering different pieces of my story that I didn't remember 
prior but yeah I just I don't remember actually being sexually abused in that house but I my first memory of ever being sexually abused was at our second house and we moved into that house and I don't even honestly remember the timeline is so blurred and everything is just so horrible but I was told by my stepfather that the sexual abuse started when I was around five and if I connect it 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 feels like I was still in kindergarten at the first house so I'm assuming that the sexual abuse did happen there I just can't remember it the first memory I have I must have been a little bit older and that was when my mom and my stepfather were involved in the sexual abuse. So, you know, these are most of my memories. I don't really have any good memories um, when I was young. And um, they, my parents or my abusers, they don't really give me that many answers. So I've been dealing with lately a lot of anger, like just a lot of the unknowns Like, not knowing if my abuser had a lot of other victims or if other people knew about what my parents were doing. Like, all of the unknowns are really adding to a lot of anger. And then, of course, not having parents, um, you know, feeling really let down. All that stuff is just making me really angry. But deeper down, I'm just, like, really hurt, disappointed, sad the surface level, the surface emotion that, you know, is there is anger, but it's a lot deeper than that. I'm feeling a lot of different things, but we ended up moving out of that house when I was like, I don't even know, a little bit older than five, I believe. And then we moved to another house in Portland, but this was on like 92nd. The first house was 42nd. This is 92nd. So still in the relatively the same area. Um, just a little further down but um yeah we moved there and um it my mom was the manager at this place she was the like a cleaning lady she like helped and cleaned like the property or something like groundskeeping or something at the first apartment we lived at and then the second apartment we lived at she was actually the manager like she had the keys to the unit she would clean them out all that stuff so that was something really interesting about my childhood it's like we got rent free and stuff at certain points because she was a manager there working and I guess her pay was free housing or something like that to that extent so she was a manager Um, So we'd have her house, our house was the office. So she'd have people kind of coming in and out, um, looking, you know, to, you know, fill out paperwork, get apartments, things like that. So I remember always people like knocking on the door that were, you know, strangers to us and things like that throughout, you know, the entire time living there. And that was just always really, really interesting, really interesting way (laughs) to grow up. Um, It would have been nice if there was like a separate... (laughs) office but no our house was the office um but yeah a lot of my memories there are sexual abuse I don't really have any other good memories or anything my brain has really blocked out a lot of my good memories 
because I know good things happened in my life, but I can't remember them. So, you know, I have really bad visual memories of things just happening in that house and my mom being involved in it and a lot of, you know, him sitting and watching him being my stepfather, watching porn and just that kind of stuff, just lots of that. And then in third grade, towards the end of third grade, the end of the year, the school year, we moved to Gresham and we moved because my mom has some sort of conflict with um, the management after my little sister is born and um, she just, uh, we can't stay there anymore. Um, she's like fired from or laid off. I don't know exactly. I was a kid um, from her, you know, being a manager there. So we end up moving to Gresham and the first place in Gresham that we lived was um, on Mount Hood Highway and that apartment is traumatizing. I don't even like looking at pictures of it. I feel like if I went back to that place, it would be really, really traumatic. I've driven past it, you know, quite a few times in my life because I lived like right by it for years but I haven't driven by it in at least three three going on four years probably and I'd like to keep it that way it's just a really really sad scary place for me um a lot of the worst abuse that I went through happened in that apartment um and a lot of the emotional abuse and psychological abuse with my mother happened in that apartment as well. It was just really bad. That's where the animal sexual abuse happened. And it's just, I, yeah, I just never want to go back to that place. That place is just a no for me. I'm cool. I'm really cool. But growing up, um, I experienced a lot of things like my mom withholding food from us she would lock it in cabinets and she would say that that was because we were eating all the snacks and stuff but honestly there was barely any ever like there's barely any snacks in the house to begin with and I have a friend that had similar experiences and reminds me of the things that I went through all the time because a lot of the time I don't think about all the little small psychologically abusive things that they did even though that stuff was really traumatic and it did affect me because I'm so focused on all the bigger horrible things that they've done um but they would like be so focused on everything that they had to do to make us you know to keep us alive like the necessities like you know take you know feeding us making sure we had housing, all that stuff, they would use that, you know, against us and basically say, like, we were lucky that we got to eat, we were lucky we had a house, we were lucky we had all these things and that we were, you know, selfish little brats. And, you know, when we had friends over, um, they would say, like, you know, they'd be worried about things like the toilet paper, the food that was being ate, the everything, you know. And I understand that we were, you know, not the most well-off family or anything, but it was psychologically you know abusive like 
you are making it to where we have to take really short showers. Like I can't, I feel like completely controlled. Like my entire life is controlled. Like it, it was really bad. Like they would let my partners, like I had a girlfriend who stayed and lived with me for a long time. Like they would let that happen, but then they would like say we were eating up all the food or we were using too much water or were you doing this or we're doing that. But I was still a minor like I was still a kid like I'm not an adult living in your house rent free not working not going to school I I'm a kid so I just I never understood that stuff like it was always really hurtful to me and it was always at the worst times like when you're getting ready for school or it's your birthday um maybe you know it's somebody else's birthday just something you're excited about you know that'd be the time for them to freak out on you or you know first thing in the morning you know just giving you severe anxiety a stomach ache those kind of things like I recently went back to therapy and talking to a psychiatrist so I could get on antidepressants or some sort of medication to manage um, some of the symptoms that I'm having for PTSD and anxiety and just depression and everything. So I was talking to him and he's like, when do you remember the anxiety, you know, like starting? And I was like, oh, my whole life. Like I've always had anxiety, you know, my entire life. So it's just, it's hard to look at and understand why they would do that to children, why they needed to treat me like that and it wasn't just me it was everybody in the house all all the kids in the house and truthfully I think that even some of the adults like my parents siblings and things like that that lived in the house at times could probably and friends too because we had some my parents friends live with us say that they were probably emotionally and psychologically abused at times and at the very least they've seen us be psychologically abused and you know not my family members they hid it from my family members really well but any of their friends that were around their friends knew we were getting psychologically and emotionally abused for sure um definitely yelling screaming you know all of that was happening constantly you know all the time but yeah and i i also really just don't really like that i don't like the idea that of having strangers like you, they might have known them, but to us as kids, um, they were strangers. They would have their friends, you know, stay on our couch and things like that. And I also like, at times we had even people who were like considered famous, you know, like living with us. Um, we had like my parents who are also abusers went behind the scenes with a lot of different rappers and a lot of different artists. Um, and I'm not saying that any of these artists are bad people or anything like that. And I, for this, for just, you know, discretion, I'm not going to even say what bands they are, but they did, you know, meet up with a lot of different people in bands and they were in our house and around us. And I just think it's really weird that these people who were abusing their kids, um, psychologically and sexually, um, at least me, they were abusing sexually were hanging out with these people who, you know, had money. They were hot, you know, definitely well, much better off than my parents. And they were, you know, on 
going to shows they were performing concerts and stuff so um you know giving my parents backstage access to these shows um just that kind of stuff is really weird to me like looking back on it and then my stepfather joining the Freemasons and you know he was a part of uh, a motorcycle kind of club so just all of these kind of things are just really weird to me concerning my mom with the trafficking I don't know how deep that has gone like how you know how how deep does this go like were there were people aware that these things were happening and maybe even a part of it like it's just concerning and my parents don't give me any answers I I really don't even like calling them my parents it feels so wrong because I mean were they even parents they didn't even raise me you know you know it's it's just so annoying but yeah I just growing up was really weird oh and that's another thing they my parents were swingers they always were at swingers clubs they had other people's wives you know sleeping with them bringing them home at weird hours in front of us at one point they were swinging with our upstairs neighbors family members who were living with them like it wasn't the people who lived there but it was people who were staying with them that they were swinging with and it ended up causing issues with like their part like their marriage not my parents marriage but the people that they were swinging with and it's just a bunch of things happened that were like highly inappropriate like around us constantly I could hear my parents having intercourse having sex all the time like they did they had no regard for any of us and as a kid I thought it was funny I would put my ear to the wall and I would show my friends like listen ha 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 you know it's a big funny joke and looking back I'm like oh I would never expose children to that as an adult myself and if kids came to me and said they were being exposed to that I would be pretty concerned and I wouldn't want that kid to be exposed to that so just those kind of things are really weird and yeah just everything they did was just super inappropriate and it led to a lot of problems you know like it led to me going on sites like kick omegle seeking you know male validation someone to make me feel seen especially after the abuse ended the sexual abuse with my stepfather after that ended i was like really in in on the hunt for attention Um, someone to make me feel special I had absolutely no emotional support growing up at all as a kid like I remember crying when I was really young and my mom just like looking at me walking past me and like she never came and comforted me or anything like that and if she did I'd have to like hysterically cry like louder and louder and louder and I remember just thinking in my head like maybe if I cry just like so loud Maybe my mom will finally come in and comfort me. And at this point, I'm like really young, you know? And I just, I was always emotionally neglected. So I put myself and I was vulnerable to be put in situations that were really, you know, horrible, traumatic. You know, men taking advantage of me and 
you know, having me send them inappropriate things and say inappropriate things and just do things that, you know, I'm not proud of. You know, I would hope that no child ever has to do that or feel like they're, you know, coerced or go through that. Like I, the things that I went through because of what I initially went through with my parents is just really, really frustrating. Like, and it adds to the anger. It adds to the frustration. It's hard not to be so angry that all those other emotions, like being sad, hurt, disappointed, grief of, you know, losing my parents, it's hard for any of that to matter. And even more so now, it doesn't matter because suddenly they want nothing to do with me. You know, they don't want to answer my questions. They don't want to do anything. They want to avoid everything that they did, not take any accountability for the crimes and just move on with their life. But that's not what I deserve. And all these years, they've been lying to me and saying, we care about you. We love you so much. We just want to be better people. We want to be a family. And then my mom has said things like, just do whatever you need to heal. I'll be here to support whatever, you know, lies, just lies, lies, lies. And now that, you know, I have, you know, done things like I've posted a lot on my TikTok, which ultimately led to my stepfather getting fired from his high paying job. And then I've now reported it to the authorities. And um, ultimately with that, then, you know, CPS and things like that get involved in your life just because it's been reported. So, you know, they're looking at me like I'm the problem when in reality they need to look inward. Um, And, you know, all of this is really new and I haven't even talked about it. I posted my first video about reporting today Um, and I've just been keeping it private even though I did report uh, almost two months ago. But the reality of it is, is that that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But I got pushed to my breaking point. I can't keep it in anymore. There's no point. It's not healing me. It's not preventing anything. It's not doing... I'm just mitigating everyone in my family's pain. I'm trying to downplay everything. Um, And I'm done doing that. Like, when you commit crimes, you have to be held responsible. Like, you... There's consequences. And realistically, like, yes, those social consequences, like, if they made me feel good, like, having other survivors know that, like, you can talk about your story, don't feel shame, like, that was what led me to being able to report, but that ultimately for me and my story and just this entire situation isn't enough. I think that... I deserve justice. I think that everyone deserves justice if that's the path that they want to walk down. And if you don't want to walk down that path, then I 100% support you and will stand by your side in not going that way as well. But for me, I've always felt like I wanted to report it. I wanted to 
have people face the consequences. I was just pressured to not for so long that at times I thought it just wasn't even worth it. There were times where I thought, you know, I was really scared. I was scared that my siblings wouldn't be okay. I was scared that my siblings might judge me or blame me for the things that ultimately happened to them after, you know, their their parents faced these consequences. So, you know, and that's not even all of it. But there was just a lot of things that were holding me back. But deep down, I did always want to report. And after reporting, it, you know, it was really horrible. Like initially, I had severe anxiety to the point where it was like physically affecting my health. I was having stomach aches. Like I was just really, really bad. But ultimately, the more time I kind of sat with it and my feelings, I felt like I had a new sense of control, a new sense of power back. Like, you can't control me anymore. The one thing that you thought you had power over, which was me talking and telling the police... And that's also another thing, like my parents instilled fear in us of the police. Like the police don't believe you. Like the police are bad. CPS is bad. Nobody's here to help you. Like that was instilled in me from a very young age. So that also was something I had in the back of my head. Like, well, does it even matter? Because are these police officers even going to take me seriously? So I just, a lot of different things were holding me back and... When I finally just was pushed to the, to the point that I just broke because my abusers were telling people that I was never going to report and lying about it and just downplaying it still to this day after you've admitted it to me, you've admitted it to so many people in the family, I just, I just didn't make sense to me. I just snapped. Like, something inside of me just snapped and I had to... I had to call. I called, you know, non-emergency and I I reported. I got in contact with the police officers and then soon after that, I made the police report. Soon, very quickly, the detectives got in contact with me and I had to report to mul- multiple counties. So it was, you know, really stressful. I had to, I reported it in chronological order. So from time. So I first had to report it in one city and then I had to report it in the other city because I was sexually abused in multiple cities. So that happened and thankfully things have been going pretty smoothly. And I'm not going to go into any more details about that or anything, but you know, I ultimately feel like I made the right decision. I don't have any regrets you know, with the decision I made with this decision. And I went back to therapy and in therapy, I'm trying to find grace and hold grace for myself for not reporting it in the past. Um, I know I had my reasons. I know I was trying to survive. I know that. And I'm, I'm telling myself that, but there is a sense of me that is angry also at myself Um, but like I said, I'm working through that in therapy and I know that it's not 
those feelings, you know, they're, they're valid. Like they're there for a reason, but they're not real. Like I should not have to feel that way. Like no survivor should have to feel that way. Like all of our journeys look different. And right now, or two months ago was the time that I was supposed to report. It was the time that I felt brave and it felt like I was in control. Nobody was pressuring me. I just, I felt like, you know, I made that decision ultimately. And I didn't have my mom in my ear telling me, don't tell anyone, you know, don't tell CPS this, don't, you know, I didn't have that. Um, And it's been, you know, really traumatic. I've had a lot more flashbacks and I've had a lot more nightmares and things have definitely not been easy at all lately. But, I mean, that's why I went back to therapy. And I'm on my... I'm, like, a week and a half into starting antidepressants. So, hopefully here soon they should actually work. And hopefully these end up working. And the dosages we figure out are good. And if they're not, I'll just try something else and see if that works. But, ultimately, I'm just trying to find more motivation and less anxiety less depression um I've never actually given antidepressants a try I've been on like anxiety medication and um this other type of medication I can't remember but it wasn't actually like a full-on antidepressant so it's something new the first week and a half I haven't had any major side effects or anything yet so fingers crossed that everything works out good and my therapist despite a few cancellations has been really good I like her. I feel like I can easily talk to her and she has been giving me lots of resources. So that's been really good. Um, School has been draining, honestly, if I'm being quite honest. I switched my major from automotive um, to, I haven't even picked really because I don't need to because I'm still just getting my associates, but I haven't picked yet, but I switched to general studies for my associate's degree instead of science. So instead of getting an associate's degree in science, I'll get an associate's degree in general studies or whatever, and then I can then pick my major. But it's not going to be in cars or automotive or anything like that. I'm going over to psychology, helping kids, social work, um, therapy, that kind of stuff. That is what I plan on doing. That's the career path. Um, The time being, I have a part-time job right now, but I want to start looking into jobs in that field that I can do, like peer support, advocacy, things like that. So that is what I'm doing for school, but because I switched my degree, I have to take a couple math classes. So I've been dealing with that, which I really dislike math, and my campus is over an hour away. So yeah, that's very fun. Thankfully, this one's a hybrid, so I only have to go there a few times, but I have a feeling that a few of my, I have two more after this one, and I don't know if they're gonna have hybrid options. So fingers crossed they do, but yeah. And I've been going through a lot of just, just, I've been pissed. Like I've been really mad lately. I've been honestly not really been posting as many TikToks as I've been liking. I haven't been doing many of the things I like to do in my life. I haven't been 
going outside and walking around enough. I just, I've really been just doing enough to survive. And there's lots of reasons for that. But mainly it's just been a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress involving reporting and just everything. And then on top of that, it's been, I've been wanting answers from my parents and they've been ignoring me. My mom sent me a text that said, I don't know what you want me to say to you or something like that after me sending multiple messages expressing what I wanted. So I've just been very, very mad. Mad looking back on all the things that I'm starting to remember that my mom did that she doesn't take accountability for. I'm angry at my mom for having this weird relationship right now with my stepfather's brother who recently got out of prison. Um just doing that in general but also doing it in front of my sister I just who's still a teenager I just don't like her at all like I don't like her I don't like her behavior I and it's hard to understand her also I don't think I ever will because she doesn't tell me anything about her past I don't know really much about her at all um you know I can assume that she might have went through some abuse you know but I'm not, I'm not going to piece together somebody's story. You know, if she wanted to tell me that, I guess she would. And at this point, because she hasn't, I, it doesn't really change anything. If she did tell me her story, it's just, you are a horrible person. You're a horrible mother. You weren't ever my mother. Um, and then people who are really familiar with me know that my grandmother died of COPD in 2019 and me and her were very, very close. Like, that's who I say was my mom. So that even makes me more mad because I didn't ever need my mom. You know, I didn't want her in my life, really. Um, she was just kind of there because she was my mom biologically, I guess. Um, but she didn't provide anything that a mother would throughout my entire life. My grandma did that for me. So when I lost my grandma, I kind of started leaning on my mom even more because I wanted a relationship with a mom and this is who's supposed to be my mom but it just ultimately never was there she she has never been that person I don't know why I ever expected her to be that person but um delusion you know yeah just pure delusion um so I leaned into her and it was just you know disappointment after disappointment so I'm just even more angry that You know, I wouldn't even need a mom or want anything to do with her or long for her or grieve for her as much as I do, I don't think, if my grandma wouldn't have passed away. And I even have my own resentment. I mean, I can make a whole episode about about it, about how sad I am and all the feelings I have about my grandma dying. But I have my own resentment there um, because she died of COPD, but it was definitely because of cigarettes. Some people develop COPD um, because of other things like exposure in factories and things like that to like chemicals in their lungs. But my grandma specifically died because she smoked cigarettes and it's just, it makes me mad. Like I wish she would have quit and you know, I can't hundred percent say that she still wouldn't have died, but that's just, those are feelings that I struggle with that ultimately lead me to be more mad at my parents and my mom for not being there for me and being such horrible people not only my entire childhood but all through my 
you know, adulthood that my, it's not even all through because I mean, let's be real. I'm only 23, about to be 24. So I haven't really lived that much adulthood yet, but the adulthood that I have lived, she has not been here for me. She wasn't there my entire childhood, but she was there. Um, but not emotionally, not really anything. And really my mom never worked that much. Like there were small periods of time where she worked. Now being an adult, like within the last four years, she's probably worked the most in her life. Like she didn't work. Like my stepdad was the one who worked and it's just, it's draining. Like you weren't emotionally there as a mother. You weren't financially supporting us. Like what were you really doing besides sitting on your ass, having sex, smoking pot, um, you know, going out to swingers clubs. I mean, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. We were like suffering while you were doing all these things. And I guess, you know, when I was younger, it didn't seem like my mom was working to me, but she was because she was the manager of those complexes and stuff. And she was turning over units and things like that. So, you know, I will give her that, but throughout my life, the majority of the time it was Paul bring Paul, my stepdad bringing in the money and my mom just doing not much. And she wouldn't like, our house wasn't dirty, like hoarder or filthy, but it was disorganized. You know, we had mail piled up clutter, junk drawers, you know, things like that. And dishes in the sink for days instead of cleaned, like I don't live my life like that now. I'm a really clean person. I clean the dishes in my sink every night before I go to bed. I don't leave my laundry piled up for too long. I I just, I don't have mail piled up everywhere. I have a filing cabinet and I throw away my mail if I don't need it, if it's like old. I throw away my old um, coupons and things like that. And she wouldn't, we'd have boxes upon boxes upon boxes of this stuff. I mean, she would pack up the stuff and we'd move with that stuff to a new house. And then that stuff would stay in a box and it would never get touched. And then we'd move again with that. So it was really weird. And I'm sure it's still like that at the house that she's in currently. It's just, yeah, I just, yeah, we didn't, but she didn't like do much. We as kids did a lot. You know, we were constantly being yelled at to do the dishes, do this, do that, you know, um, and we, if we didn't, we would get screamed at and told that we should have known to do this. We walked past it a million times, but we're kids, you know, so we're actually just thinking about going outside playing. You're not really thinking about doing the dishes for your mom, um, unless she's asked. There was no routine growing up. We didn't have chores, but we were expected to do things, um, without being asked. We, no allowance, no nothing like that, you know, it was really, really weird. We were threatened all the time, belittled, called names, you know, yeah, just really horrible way of growing up. And I know that there were adults around who seen it. Like there was no way that my mom never screamed or acted crazy in front of her friends or some of our family members. It's just, you know, that's the reality. And, um, I think that when you see adults treating children like that, it definitely should be taken seriously because, you know, it could be worse, you know, worse things could be happening behind closed doors. 
Um, somebody could be getting sexually abused and things like that. So it's just really frustrating. But yeah, this episode, like I said, has been all over the place. But that, you know, that's not, there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, sometimes those episodes are good. Sometimes they can be not necessarily entertaining, I wouldn't say, but you can learn more about somebody and things like that. I I could do a lot of these episodes just because of, and I could talk for like hours, but I do have to like not talk for hours. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, clearly this is only just touching the surface of some of the things that I've been going through lately and some of the things that I went through in my life. I didn't even begin to talk about, you know, high school and the struggles that I dealt with in my relationships and things like that. So we'll definitely have another um, deep dive into my life or a chat similar to this episode in the future. But I think I am going to kind of end this episode off here. I know it might seem like abrupt, but it's okay. Um, I am going to be posting another episode um, on the first or around the first. That will probably be the second part to going no contact and kind of my experience with like breaking no contact a few times and things like that. And then um, later in the month, like 15th, 20th, kind of around then, I will put out another episode and I'm not sure what that will be about. It might be another episode like this, honestly, like who really knows? So I will be sticking to my goal of two episodes each month instead of one. Um, and before we, before we know it, we're going to be on the 10th episode, which is honestly crazy. This was the eighth one, if I'm counting correctly. And then by next month, we should be on our 10th episode. I think that is just crazy. I started this in August and honestly, before we know it, it's going to be August again, and it's going to be a year of doing this podcast. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for the ones who've been here from the start. Listen to all of my episodes. That's amazing. Thank you so much for all of your support. Anyone who, you know, was here for the first time, you can find more uh, about me on my um, TikTok. I'm also just starting to post stuff on my Instagram, and they're both... um, both of my usernames are Jada's Advocacy with a period between Jada's and Advocacy. And that is my username on almost everything. So you can find me there and give me a follow. Um, yeah, but I look forward to posting my ninth episode um, towards the first of next month. Thank you all so much.